everyone, and welcome back to our next episode of Be Well with Dr. Stockwell. I'm Diana Klein, your podcast host, and I have the privilege of sharing with you the experiences of Dr. Diana Bittner today. Dr. Bittner is an OBGYN and minimally invasive surgeon specializing in women's health for over 25 years. She is a certified menopause practitioner, and that is what we will be talking with her about today, is that crucial phase in all women's lives of menopause. Thanks for joining us. All right. Well, thank you. I am just so pleased that you're promoting women's health and doing more to educate women and what they can do to age well. So I, I so appreciate you doing what you do. And I love what I do. I'm an OBGYN, have been in practice for over 25 years and have started to morph my career into addressing the needs of women over childbearing age um, and have had many aha moments around this. So I'm just feel so lucky to be able to do this. I you know, loved what I did as an OBGYN, but am loving this next phase. Um, I born and raised in West Michigan. I've, I did my training in, um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan and practiced in Grand Rapids, Michigan for all this time. And our uh, first clinic is located in Grand Rapids. Awesome. Awesome. So just a little bit more about that clinic. I know you mentioned that you did start out your career as an OBGYN and then moved on to minimally invasive surgery. And now um, in the latter stages of your career, you're specializing specifically in menopause and helping women through that transition, uh, providing accurate information, providing excellent resources, and providing that really great wisdom and counsel through your company, True.WomensHealth. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about um, what prompted you to start True.WomensHealth and where you see the company, where the company is now, and where you see it going? Sure. I um, And there's just so much fun to talk about. So my first aha moment came about maybe even 10 years ago. So I'd been practicing for 15 years, and women started asking me questions I couldn't answer. And I joke that us physicians are like men, you know, we like to, sorry, men, we like to fix stuff. And when people come to us and ask us questions that we can't answer, we feel inadequate. And so I didn't like it that women would come to me and say, why am I gaining weight? Why am I having hot flashes? Why don't I want to have sex? Why, you know, why my life is great. Why do I have all this anxiety? What's happening to me? And um, as I and I couldn't answer their questions and I just hated it. So I'd kind of sit on it a little bit and, you know, get back to them with, you know, I'm not really sure. And I saw a flyer about a meeting on midlife and menopause. And I thought, you know, I really need to address this because I want to take care of, of my patients as we age together. Um, and then, so I went to my first conference on women's health and went, oh my goodness, like there's so much known about midlife menopause. And I really, I feel called to, to bring this message, this information back to my patients in West Michigan. And, and that's what got it started. And, you know, menopause is such a big deal in terms of affecting the quality of our life, but it's also such a big deal in that menopause is the most dramatic risk factor for heart disease, for diabetes, for obesity, for depression, for sexual dysfunction. It is such a big factor in all of that. So if we can pull women in and give accurate, good, healthy information and give women options, then really I'm fulfilling my mission of promoting women's health. And that's what we do at True. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you guys at True.Women's Health, you guys are a brick and mortar or are you guys uh, web-based, online or app-based? 
So we're um, opening May 4, um, and, and hopefully we'll still be able to stay on timeline, but we're, we're opening May 4, and we're having a specialized practice in women's health, um, focusing on midlife and menopause, but uh, not just on treatment of menopause, which we will do, but also looking at whole wellness. Um, we think about it like providing all-around care for women in this brick-and-mortar clinic um, that addresses wellness before menopause, during the menopause transition, and then afterwards in terms of how can we optimize our health. You know, it just makes me absolutely crazy that 80% of chronic illness in women is preventable. 80% is preventable. So that means how many cases of heart disease didn't have to happen. And I'll never forget one of my aha moments with patients is I was on calls in OB in the, in the hospital and I was called to see a woman on the cardiac floor, right? So I'm an OBGYN going to the cardiac floor. It's not a normal thing. And um, I got called to see her because she was having postmenopausal bleeding. So I walk in the room and she turned her head to the wall and she's like, not another doctor. And I said, you know, please, I was asked to see you. How, how can I help? What's, what's going on? Um, and she said, you know, I've been healthy my whole life. And in the last five days, everything has just fallen apart. And what had happened to her is she had fallen at home and broken a hip. She was maybe 75, you know, at the time, and she broke a hip. So she came into the hospital, broken hip, went into surgery. During surgery, she had a heart attack. So they fixed her hip. They were able to do that. And then after she had cardiac, you know, stress testing, and she ended up having a stent. Um, and so she had to stay in the hospital to be evaluated for her, you know, recovery from her heart attack and her stent placement. And then what happened is she started having bleeding. And, um, and in the course of me then taking care of her, um, I diagnosed her with uterine cancer. So here she was for so many years with these silent conditions, osteoporosis, heart disease. Um, and she had menopause-related weight gain that, that increased her risk of uterine cancer. So all three of these things were silent for years, and they were all preventable. Uh, and um, I was able to, I know. And so um, thankfully, she did well. Um, she, again, thank goodness, came to the right place um, in, in Grand Rapids. And so she had great treatment for her heart. She um, had good treatment for osteoporosis after her hip fracture. And then after her uterine cancer, she had a surgery with the cancer doctors and was cured. Thankfully, we caught it early. Um, and she said to me, is it too late? And I said, no, it's not too late. But, you know, other than just being more active and taking care of yourself, instead of just focusing on your 10 children and 50 grandchildren, you know, can you take care of yourself? But also, can you spread the message to your daughters and to your grandchildren in that it's so important to focus on our health? through that midlife transition and not just to focus on everybody else. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We, as, especially right. as mothers and women, we tend to put everybody else first and we don't prioritize our own self-care. And that's such a, exactly. such an issue, such an issue. And here she was a woman, you know, with insurance, with the means to go to the doctor, with the means to, to, you know, understand what she could do to promote her own health. And she, just kind of never thought about it. She suffered through, you know, she had a menopause that wasn't the easiest um, and she gained a lot of weight. She had some mood issues. She had bladder leaking and urgency, all these things that we, we have answers of why they're happening and what to do about them. And again, here she was, she suffered in silence. She didn't want to talk about it. And then she ended up having three preventable conditions that likely will shorten her life. 
Um, and oh. it, so that's, that's why I do what I do. And that's why I was able to give up delivering babies. I was able to give up doing major surgeries, which I loved and I was good at and had lots of short-term reward, right? Long-term reward. Sure. But Absolutely. that's why I want to do this is because if I can make a difference for the patients that I see at True, for the, for, you know, people that I don't even get to see or don't even get to know, um, then I will, I'll be so happy to, to leave that legacy. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned in, in your story about this poor, this poor lady that she had numerous, there, there was basically numerous red flags. And I think a lot of lay people, such as myself, who, who don't have a medical background, uh, we, we really don't know, as, we know as women that we change. We know that overall yeah. statement is true, but can you explain a little bit to to my to me and to our listeners about what happens in a woman's body that causes that change? Like why? What is the why behind all of this? And what are some of the initial sure. triggers yeah. that we can look at? I'm 38, so oh, well, I not quite yet. I turned 38 in April, so I've got a little bit more time at age 37. But even someone such as myself, approaching 40, still have hopefully some years left before menopause. But what can I start looking for as far as indicators of issues starting to happen that I need to address now. Well, exactly. And at 38, it's so crucial that now you really start to think about these things and, and, um, you know, lay a really good foundation because after, you know, after 40, it's, it's time to really get your act together. And then at 50, you know, it's a daily commitment is how I think about it. But how I want you to think about our system is that, um, we've got the uterus and that lining is, I want you to think about your lawn, like, like your, like your lawn, the ovaries, as they every month go through, um, baby eggs, the little cells around baby eggs are their follicles. Those cells around those follicles make estrogen, which I want you to think about like fertilizer for the lawn and progesterone, which is like weed killer and estrogen from the ovaries goes to almost every cell in the body, in the brain, in the skin, skin on your on your arms, skin on your face, skin in your vagina. It goes um, to our bones. It goes to our blood vessel linings. It goes uh, to breast cells, of course. Um, and it stimulates the lining of the uterus to grow. And, and so what women do with their periods gives us a sense of where they are and what we call their phase of ovarian function or where you are if you're in perimenopause or menopause. And so anyways, estrogen goes everywhere. And as estrogen levels go up and down more dramatically in the midlife transition, like let's say if you're 45 and your, your um, ovaries start to sputter a bit, so you're not making as much estrogen as you, as you used to, then maybe you get three nights of night sweats before your period starts. And hot flashes and night sweats happen more with low estrogen. So all these symptoms of midlife and menopause will happen as our estrogen levels fall. And, and, and one resource, like I, I really wanted women to understand all the symptoms of the midlife transition so they would know that they're not crazy and they would have an easy way to communicate with their partners, their bosses, their friends. Um, and so we call this tool the symptom circle. So if women go to our website, truewomenshealth.com and just go to check my symptoms under resources and the symptom circle actually spins when you click on it. So it's like an obstetrical dating wheel. Um, so around the outside are the symptoms. And then there's cutouts of what you can do as a woman to make these symptoms better or worse. And so um, it's this fun circle that you can use to really understand, okay, these symptoms are real and what can I do about them? So anyways, as we go through the midlife and menopause transition, our body is 
is going through these changes. So for example, I think about the perimenopause is the perfect storm. It's the time when, and as a pilot, right, you saw lots of perfect storms, but you know, a perfect storm is where one storm front's coming in. It's all the symptoms of menopause, hot flashes, night sweats, weight gain, sleep disturbance, cranky, anxiety, um, bladder urgency. So because of all these symptoms, it changes the quality of our life. So maybe if we're up with night sweats, we don't feel like getting up on the treadmill at 5 a.m. So there's all these symptoms that affect us. But then also what's happening because of changing hormone levels is that our physiology is changing, our inside is changing. So our bone cells aren't building as good quality bone and not as much good quality bone. So our bones are getting weaker. As our estrogen levels fall, it affects our liver and it makes us more insulin resistant. So our body craves sugar. Um, the insulin is changing our fat activity. So belly fat with low estrogen causes more, creates more CRP and IL-6, which are inflammatory factors and they damage our blood vessel lining and they increase our risk of heart disease and stroke. So there's all these physiological internal changes that are happening that we don't see, obviously, and then the symptoms. So as this perfect storm comes together, women in that first five years of menopause is, is the time where most women gain 15 to 30 pounds in that, in that five years. A lot of women, their risk factors equal that of a man five years after that last menstrual period. So there's a lot we know about that transition and that time that really affects our health. How's that Jeez. for a summary? That's amazing. Yes. Um, if I can, I just had a question pop in my mind that I've heard um, sure. in our social media channels and everything with Dr. Stockwell's. Um, one myth, I, I don't know, well, it might be a myth, so I'm hoping perhaps you might be able to bust it for me. You mentioned bone density <clears throat> as being an mm -hmm. issue. And we heard a myth through one of our um, one of our listeners and, and subscribers to social media that uh, bone density pretty much before, if you, if you don't let me rephrase. If you get um, the amount of calcium that you're going to get over your life, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. um, the amount of calcium that your body is going to absorb into your bones, if, you, if it doesn't get the right amount before age 30, no matter how much calcium you absorb past age 30, it's not going to help. Is that true? So, so it's just a bit of a misstatement. So it's right and wrong. So basically at 32, we reach our peak bone mass. So our peak bone mass, so our bones is, are as strong as they're going to get at 32. So again, before 32, it's so important to get our vitamin D, which allows us to absorb calcium. Um, we've got lots of estrogen going, you know, before 32 to promote the bone builder cells. So our bones are in constant transition of the bone builder cells and the bone breakdown cells. So the builders and the diggers. So our bones remodel constantly. And even after 32, our bones are remodeling constantly. And I want you to think about vitamin D is what we need to absorb the calcium. And most of us north of Atlanta don't get enough vitamin D after Labor Day. So it's important to right. take it. And then calcium is, think about it, the bricks of the, of the wall, of the bone. It's, the, it's what we need for the brick building. So the bone builder cells take calcium and they put it down. So our bone builder cells are still remodeling, still taking in calcium after 32, but we'll never have a higher peak, but we can maintain it, right? So let's say someone gets to 60% of potential at 32. Maybe they don't take their D, they don't exercise, they don't take their calcium. And so they only reach 60% of their potential. So over the course of the next bit, they could maintain at 60% until they're 52 and they go into menopause. 
And then at 52, they're going to lose about 2% of bone per year without estrogen replacement therapy, right? Um, and they'll lose, lose less fast if they take estrogen, but they'll still lose if they don't take vitamin D and calcium. So it's so important to make sure we're getting three to four servings of calcium in our diet. And I use a, um, app, a free app on the phone called Calcium Calculator. And you can look at your diet and see if you're getting enough calcium. We all need about 1,200 milligrams a day. And again, I get enough in my diet, so I don't take a supplement. But then I make sure I take my vitamin D because I live in Michigan. So I take 2,000 units a day in my D. And then the other thing is I work out probably an hour a day. And it's, it's just about getting that you know, stress on our bones so they know they need it. So if people are really sedentary, you know, I really, I worry. So for example, up in space, astronauts lose crazy amount of bone, like 10%, I'm making up a number, I don't remember it, but you know, without gravity, we lose so much bone. So it's so important that even if, let's say someone isn't capable of going for a run, can they just do their 50 jumps? My patients always tease me. They're like, oh my God, if you tell me one more time to do my 50 jumps, but every day get up and just jump up and down, 50 times. And for women who can't even do that, I have a patient with MS and that, that doesn't work for her, obviously, um, when she has, uh, um, when she gets more acute symptoms. So at our physical therapy office, we have a shaker so she can stand on the shaker and it, 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 and it actually has been shown to maintain bone density. So when she wow. can't do her jumps or her walking, then we get her on the shaker. And so it's just being really attentive to those three things. So hopefully I didn't ramble right. too much. But does that make sense? No, it does. It absolutely does. Absolutely does. And that, that kind of segued into my next question. I was going to ask you about physical activity and how important that is to our bone structure. A lot of people think, okay, I'm going to go run three miles a day and that'll be good for my cardio and my muscles, but they don't think about bone, but it's very important apparently to stress those bones so that they know to grab more it calcium is. out of your system. Very good to know. It is. And, and even I, I'm a swimmer. And so I just, I know I read a study that showed that even the flip turns and I do flip turns and push off the wall, that even that push off the wall can help increase bone density. So I don't have to yeah. swim and do my 50, 50 jumps. So as long as we're really? stressing our bones, Yes. So that, that was good news. So, so I'm covered. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that, and that again is somewhat of a misnomer too. Well, not quite a misnomer, but I I've heard that if you have an injury, swimming is good. Or if you're having knee or joint issues, swimming is, is good. But then at the same time, it's concerning that you're not getting that stress, but even the flip turn, that's really good to know. It's good. Good to know for our swimmers <laughs> out there who are listening. There you go. Um, you mentioned earlier too um, about bone density and how you lose 2% per year. And especially at that age of 52, it really starts to drop off without hormone therapy. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a right. lot of chatter out there about hormone therapy. There's some good chatter. There's some bad chatter in that hormone therapy is good for you. And then the bad chatter is no, absolutely not. Hormone therapy is not good for you. And here's why. Mm -hmm. um, I know before sure. we started recording, we, we chatted a little bit about that. And that's one thing that we, we lay, lay people don't hear much about a normal conversation. Can you talk to us about hormone therapy, the pros, the cons, and just, just in general, what it's about? Can you educate us about that a little bit? I can. And again, we could talk about hours, you know, talk hours about this, but I think the first consent is, is something of, about informed consent. So, you know, I'm a surgeon and, um, and whenever I would talk to a patient about considering a surgery, you know, I would say, you know, if you have cancer, I will get real bossy. You've got to have surgery and this is how we're going to keep you safe. These are the pros and cons, but it, it really, 
you know, the pros outweigh the cons for you. If you have a condition, let's say heavy bleeding and fibroids that causes pain with intercourse or pressure on your bladder, then you have to be bossy with me as a surgeon and say, I really want my uterus out because it's affecting the quality of my life. Um, but then it's our job again, to talk about the pros and cons because heaven forbid a patient would have a bladder injury or an infection and have to come back into the hospital. I told my patients, I want to be able to look at you in the eyeballs and we both know we did the surgery for the right reason and you're going to be okay. And yeah, this is a pain in the butt having to be back in the hospital, but you're going to be okay. And in the end it's worth it because again, we did it for the right reasons. And so that's the same approach I take with hormone replacement therapy. Now, um, a couple just up front. Number one, FDA-approved medication is available that is bioidentical. So I prescribe bioidentical, FDA-approved hormones, and and I don't subscribe to compounded hormone replacement therapy. You know, I, I think about this conversation almost like a line from the movie The American President. In the absence of truth, we listen to whoever's talking. And unfortunately, back in 2003, when the WHI came out, there was so much misinformation about hormone safety is that, you know, who did people listen to? Suzanne Summers, you know, where's her medical degree? But yet, you know, to her credit, she she entered in a, in a void, right? So us in traditional medicine, we dropped the ball. We totally dropped the ball. You know, people got afraid about lawsuits or legal aspects of hormone replacement, and they just said, fine, we're not going to do it. We dropped the ball. Um, and so now we really understand so much about hormone replacement therapy, and we have to make up for all that lost time of when people were talking about compounded hormones and all this. So again, we now have so many good products that are FDA approved, bioidentical hormones, we have oral, we have patch. And so, you know, as we talk about hormone safety, hormones are way safer than most people think, um, I, I, again, I'm an MD, I'm a menopause, I'm a certified menopause practitioner with the North American Menopause Society, and um, I'm going to take hormones until <laughs> I die, um, okay. you know, and they're safe for, they're safe for me. I've made that decision. Um, but again, it's looking at the pros and cons. You threw out some really technical terms out there, and I just want to make sure our listeners as well as myself understand. Um, you mentioned bioidentical hormones, and then I believe you said Ooh. compounded hormones. So in that, in that void of time, for example, when the WHI came out, the WHI was a big study done in 2003 um, to look at the safety of hormone. Actually, the study was designed to look at, do hormones reduce the risk of heart attack? Um, and in that study, they, um, they, they came out with the information about it, looking at the safety of hormones as well. And again, because of all this misinformation that came out with the study, and the study was done on Premarin, which is derived from horse urine. It's an estrogen of many different types. It does, it is effective for hot flashes, but it's not bioidentical to humans. It's bioidentical to horses. Um, but at the time, right. that's all and that was urine, available. That just is a, oh my goodness. That just is a turnoff right there. <laughs> I know, I know. It's purified. The horses are, are well cared of, but, but it's bioidentical to horses, right? And so right. the other thing is that the, the progesterone studied at the time was a, a synthetic progesterone. And so when that study came out, it's essentially looking at hormones that are not bioidentical to humans. And so, so now we know more and more about the safety of hormones. They're safer when they're bioidentical, meaning identical to the hormone that our ovary used to make. So in menopause, the ovary goes into retirement. It's done. It's not making any more estrogen, progesterone, 
and over time it makes no more testosterone. And so when we give a hormone back, we found that the safest way to do that is to give a hormone that's bioidentical or bioequivalent to the hormones that our ovary used to make. So for example, like many women out there, I have thyroid disease. My thyroid, I have Hashimoto's, my thyroid doesn't make anymore. So I take thyroid hormone every day and I take thyroid hormone that's bioidentical to the thyroid hormone that my thyroid used to make, right? So when our ovary doesn't work anymore, then if we're going to choose to take hormone replacement therapy, we recommend that the safest way is to take hormones that are identical to what your ovary used to make. Now, again, back in the day before we caught up, compounding pharmacies were making it with, from, you know, I don't really understand the process, but they were making hormones without the quality and safety checks of the FDA. So the FDA has very rigid quality checkpoints for, for hormones in terms of safety, quality, and consistency. So from batch to batch. And what we know, um, there was a great article in the Moore magazine in 2014, um, and the magazine is no longer in business, but the, the article still, it, it's out there. And what they did is they surveyed products from compounding pharmacies from all over the country, used an independent lab to, to analyze and what they found is that from batch to batch, the hormones had between zero and a thousand percent of what it said was in there. And we know that in the FDA approved products, the patches, the pills, they're consistent, every pill and hormones are a powerful things. So if you get a pill that one day works and the next pill out of the bottle doesn't, that's not good. We don't think that's safe. And so again, does that make sense and explain? So that's why I prescribe FDA approved and, and many insurances will cover it. Um, compounding, compounded hormones are not covered by insurance because they're not FDA approved. Right, which makes perfect sense. And kind of my burning question, though, is how, if you know, in the lab, like how do they make a bioidentical hormone? Like where is, what's, what's the derivative? What are the ingredients? How does it come to be? Sure. They start with plant-based phytoestrogens, and they're able to change them to be bioidentical. And again... Wow. You know, I'd much rather have, so um, there's several different companies that make different, so so not necessarily supporting these companies, but the products that I um, prescribe are from companies with very well-researched, very well-studied um, products. Um, and so, for example, Therapeutics MD, or there's um, Bear Pharmaceuticals, or there, there's lots of pharmaceutical companies that make these good FDA-approved products, and they have Again, lots of uh, peer-reviewed publications, meaning a lot of scientists have looked at the publications. There's great studies to show good effect and good safety and steady state blood levels. So we've really spent a lot of time and energy making sure that the products that we're able to offer our patients are safe and are consistent. Sure. Absolutely. Wow, that's fascinating. It comes from plants. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Huh. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for that explanation. So just to kind of recap, um, bioidentical, obviously the way to go, and also FDA approved, whereas the um, compounding pharmacies that were creating their own, if you will, uh, definitely not a way to go. Do you know if in your community, may, not, obviously, I wish all women could come to you in Grand Rapids to get their get their treatment, but they may <laughs> not. Um, is, is it pretty mainstream in the OBGYN and the menopausal um, field to prescribe the bioidentical hormones? Is that pretty, is that common practice? Except, in fact, well, only practice or are there still people out there prescribing these compounded hormones? 
There, there are, and part of it is that, again, you know, the, the menopause knowledge is fairly specialized in the sense of even when I was a general OBGYN, I was so busy delivering babies and dealing with urgent everyday issues that until I took the time, I didn't have the training to understand this. And a lot of times in a busy practice, an OBGYN, like I did before I knew better, you know, patients would come in and say, would you renew my script at a compounding pharmacy? And I'd say, you know, yeah, sure. Here, you know, like, oh, they right. check your levels. Great. Whatever. You know, but now that I know the difference, like, no, you know, we don't want to do that. And so, you know, a lot of OBGYNs, it's not that they don't want to know the right thing to do, but they don't have the time or the bandwidth to spend time on this. And, and so one way for people to find a, a practitioner in their area is to go to the website menopause.org of the North American Menopause Society, um, and they can find a certified menopause practitioner in their area. So my most recent practice before I left and I'm starting my own, um, I, I mandated that anybody who worked in our menopause practice had to be a certified menopause practitioner. So this, this really makes sure that this practitioner has this knowledge. They've gone to the meetings, the test actually to become a certified practitioner is not that easy. Um, and so it, um, you know, really does give people assurance that they know what they're doing. Wow. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Menopause.org and the proper terminology is a certified menopause practitioner. Yes. And I'm very proud that I was the practitioner of the year for North America in 2015, which really gave me the, well, thank you. But it really just, it it told me I was on the right track that I was getting the respect of my peers in the menopause world because of my research, because of the book that I wrote, really empowering women with the why of these, you know, things that happen and then moving into what women can do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, great segue, because my next question was, tell us a little bit about your book. So so the aha moment for all of this, I never thought about writing a book or it was never my goal to write a book. Um, but what happened is I remember sitting at the end of one of the menopause meetings and all these incredible researchers talking about new therapies for menopause or talking about you know heart disease after menopause and what we can do to prevent and what we can do to educate you know, patients, all these amazing lectures. So after sitting there after four days of these lectures thinking, okay, I'm going to go back to work in two days. Um, I have young children. I have a busy practice. Like, how am I going to incorporate all this really good information into my everyday practice? Because women deserve to know this. You know, it doesn't, it can't just sit in my head. I need, you know, how can I get this information out to women? So what I did, um, is I actually wrote a clinical process of care we call waypoints. And so what waypoints is, is it's a way to assess a woman's wellness and then to talk about how we can use her goals to harness toward healthy aging. And so in, in putting together this process of care, we I then did a pilot study of 100 women. So we walked 100 women through this process in terms of assessing their wellness in nine areas and then looking at their goals and creating actually what's called a life map. So we put their goals on a life map, where they are on the life map, and then looked at their barriers and made a plan. And these 100 women did so well, they came back for five visits over six months, paying their insurance co-pays every time. They had an 85% retention rate. People stayed in the program. And women lost on average 2.5 inches of waist circumference. So we got rid of that, you know, 
terrible belly fat that, that, that causes heart attack. So women got rid of belly fat and they were happier and healthier and their menopause symptoms went away, whether or not they did hormones or medication or just really adjusted their lifestyle. And so the book that I wrote is called, I want to age like that (laughs) healthy aging through midlife and menopause. And, And I named it that because we all have a, that, you know, my goals or what drives me is different than what drives you or drives somebody else. And so as we all figure out what our that is, then it's how can we can get there. And and so my book is the stories of the women who went through the pilot study. And so we interviewed the women after the fact. My editor interviewed the women, so it wasn't just me. Um, and so we really understood their stories of why they started the program and what they learned through the program. And it basically goes through. And the third edition of the book is coming out, including a workbook. And so women can go to truewomenshealth.com or Amazon if they're interested. But but basically, it's it just really lines out this program. And it's just been so powerful. And at True Women's Health, we will be following that, that program of waypoints in our clinic and also um, as we develop you know, online. So it, it's just it's so fun to be able to put all this information that's out there about wellness, about healthy aging, about the power of hormones, and put it into a program that women can use. And that's just, again, to, to create this has been so satisfying. Right. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So not only do you have 25 years of experience, you've written a book, you've done research, it's research-backed it's a research backed book, but yet it's, it's the fun. It sounds like it has a really fun storyline taking all of the, the, if you will, the academic jargon out of, of all your efforts researching and putting it into a story format, which sounds amazing. Well, and, and it's so fun. And the highest compliment I had about the book was um, a friend read it who knows my voice and knows how I talk, but she said, I, I could just hear you in, in the stories. But also she said, I felt like I was, sitting next to you with a glass of wine and you were telling me these stories, but yet you're a doctor and you were, you know, you're offering the why and offering solutions, but yet you're a doctor. But yet I felt like I was talking to my best friend. Um, And that's what, again, has been so rewarding to get this information in the hands of women, but then offer a way, you know, what do you do with this information? And and I think that's the crux. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is amazing. So with True Dot, True Dot Women's Health, not only you guys have a brick and mortar where, where women can come in and, and start that practice with you and go in and not so much the practice, but start that routine sure. of uh, checkups with you. But you guys are also, it sounds like pivoting to an online platform as well. Did I hear you correctly with that? Yes. So, you know, when our clinic opens, we'll actually have an app. We're working with an incredible digital therapeutics company called Remedy, and we're developing an app that will allow women to track their symptoms, their habits, and see how the two relate. So for example, if you didn't drink your water and you gained five pounds and you had two glasses of wine, yeah, guess what? You're going to have night sweats. So, um, you know, it allows you to track those things so you can see how your habits affect your symptoms. Um, and and that will be a really cool addition for our clinic. And as 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 our patients use it, you know, potentially then if, if people are wanting it, we could, you know, offer it on a wider scale. But I really look forward to, again, providing women the tools to use so they can, so the knowledge is in their hands and then they can do with it as they want you know, I'm a bossy Dutch girl. I don't want to be told what to do, right? Who wants to be told what to do? No one. So, you know, it's basically, you give me that information and I'll figure out how this works in my life. I don't want you to tell me what to do. Um, And, 
And you know, that, that makes me remember one of my original aha moments with just being a physician and, and what that means and the role we play in our lives. I was so fortunate to spend a week with Dr. P. Barry Brazelton. Um, for the parents out there to read, you know, read his book, Touch Points is just life changing. But I got to spend yes. a week with him and he told me, you know, Diana, don't ever, 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 ever tell a patient what to do. That is not our job. Our job is to provide anticipatory guidance. We, we talk about what's going to happen. And then when it happens, patients are like, oh, they do know what they're talking about. And then now we have a trusted partner. You know, we're here to understand their what they're going through, but then to be able to predict. So I love that concept of anticipatory guidance. So for example, to be able to tell you at 38, this is what's going to happen as you age. This is what's going to happen as your estrogen levels change you know, in terms of, let's say, loss of muscle mass and, and loss of bone mass. So this is what's going to happen. This is how you're going to feel. And as that starts to happen, you're like, oh, okay, you know, I do have a partner in my care. And then for me to say, you know, here are your options. I would tell my patients all the time, you know, I have zero ego invested in what you do. It's none of my business. I'm not your mom. I'm not your boss. I'm not your partner. You know, it's, it's your business, but I have so much ego invested in you knowing why these symptoms are happening and you knowing what you can do about it. I have so much ego invested in that because you deserve to know as much as I do, as much as my sister does, as much as my best friend does. And so here it is. Here's the why. Here's whatever. And no matter what you choose, I'm going to support you. So yeah, if you if you choose to smoke and then you choose to you know gain weight and you have issues, I'm here for you. No judgment. Um, I have patients who are very ashamed, for example, that they still smoke four cigarettes a day. And I'll say, as your doctor, I wish you didn't because it's a choice that's not in your best interest. But I'm not your boss and shame doesn't help. And let's talk about this. You know, talk to me about how you want to be. Do you want to do you want to be able to hike up a mountain with your kids on spring break? Well, yeah. Are those cigarettes helping you do what you want? Oh, I didn't think of it that way. So it's basically supporting people in their journey without judgment or shame and offering us. Awesome. No, that sounds absolutely perfect. You're right. I mean, no, not only do not, uh, not only do bossy Dutch girls not like to be told what to do, but um, bossy, bossy, uh, bossy pilots and mothers and uh, wives and pretty much every woman out there does not like to be told what to do and providing providing that not only are you a medical expert, but you're that, that friendly, non-judgmental ear, which I think is so crucial, especially for we ladies, you know, at, at that tender point in life, um, approaching menopause and within yeah. menopause. And- well, I laugh too. You say bossy pilot and I'm a bossy surgeon, but as a pilot, right, you follow your checklist beforehand and you Absolutely. introduce yourself to your co-pilot who you've probably have flown with for 10 years, but you create that sense of team and the OR, we would do the same thing. So for bossy surgeons yeah. to be told, okay, slow down, you got to do your, you know, your checklist but it's all in the safety of all of us. And so the more information we have, um, it's a complex world. Aging is a complex process, just like flying a plane, like doing a hysterectomy, like there's a lot of complexity. And so again, that's why I wrote Waypoints. It's a checklist. It's a checklist for us to go through and see, you know, how healthy am I? What's my heart health like? You know, what do I have in my health bank is like how I like to think about it. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Bittner, it has been an absolute honor. And before I let you go, I'm going to give you the last word. What kind of advice would you give your your 
a daughter, a close friend, a mother, um, your mother, your close friend, your daughter, your sister, what would be your A plus number one bit of advice uh, to give them that you can share with our listeners? Hmm. I mean, when I say to patients, I want to know you. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know, um, you know, what are your goals and where have you been and where do you want to be? You know, what's hard for you? But more than anything, I want you to know you. And so I would just challenge women to really know themselves um, and not put their head in the sand in terms of aging. Like really know what are my risks for breast cancer? What are my risks for heart attack? Um, And and to, to really be very self-aware about all those things. So you don't wake up at 60 with, with an illness that you could have prevented. I think it's, it's to think about it like a financial plan. You know, you might think, you know, oh, I want to retire with a million dollars. Well, and so you meet with a financial planner and, and you think about, okay, what have I saved? What are my spending habits? You know, what am I going to end up with at 60? We all get that, Right. But how many of us have really made a health goal and been intentional about that? And then how many of us have a plan to get there? So again, I would challenge everyone, no matter your age or your health status, whether you're affected by cancer and you're starting your new normal or you know wherever you are in that process, to have a very clear goal. We call that in waypoints, we call that your picture of self. How do you picture yourself at a milestone event, a retirement, a wedding, a birthday. So to really have a clear picture of self and then to have a plan to get there and to find a partner in your healthcare that can help you get there. That's what I would say. That is amazing advice. Absolutely amazing advice. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Again, we are here with Dr. Diana Bittner from Grand Rapids, Michigan, the chief medical officer and founder of True.Women's Health. She's opening her practice, brick and mortar practice in Grand Rapids on May 4th. And in the meantime, she is also has a online platform, truewomenshealth.com. And we're very active on our social media. Our Facebook page is fun. In fact, I'm doing a, a Facebook live event tonight with a local iMove physical therapy on sexual health and helping women reclaim their sexual health. So all of those events will be archived um, and you know, it's just, it's just so fun with what social media is doing these days to promote and we can just promote wellness and and good health. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your Facebook page, are you guys up on Instagram and Twitter as well? We are on Instagram, we're on Twitter and we're thinking about how we can get on TikTok. So (laughs) my my daughter is a marketing major at Michigan state. So she's helping uh, guide the social media, you know, making perfect. Perfect. So So Awesome. So for our listeners, if they did want to get on that fun Facebook live event tonight, what is your Facebook page? Is it true.women's health or is it specific to your name? Yep. It's true women's health. Um, and true again, women's true women's health. So all our events are archived and, um, and yet, so yeah, so we're having so much fun with this again, just promoting all aspects of women's health, um, uh, including sexual health and, and, and how that affects all of us. Perfect. That sounds amazing. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, we'll look for you on TikTok as well. <laughs> True Women's Health. Excellent. Thank you again, Dr. Bittner. It's been an absolute you, pleasure and have, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too.